Welcome to the Park Magic Podcast, your place for insider tips for your next Disneyland adventure. Whether you're a first-timer or first-time-in-a-while visitor, we're here to unwrap the secrets to creating and simplifying your dream Disneyland vacation. Welcome to Park Magic, where we want to help you plan a practically perfect trip to Disneyland, giving you the tips that you need to make your trip a lot less stressful and to feel like you don't need a master's degree in Disney studies in order to have a great time at Disney. I've got Christina McBride on today. She's a travel agent and former cast member. We're going to talk a little bit today about should you hire a travel agent? What should you look for? And maybe who's not a good fit for a travel agent? So Christina, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thank you so much, Robin, for having me. It's wonderful to be here. Can you tell us a little bit about your experience specifically with Disneyland as a cast member and as a travel agent? Yeah, so Disneyland, it has a special place in my heart. I I grew up no more than 30 minutes away my entire life. Grew up going there as a kid with my family. We were gifted passes one Christmas from my grandma. So then we became a pass holder family and we'd go you know, just for a couple hours here and there in the evenings during the holidays, we watch the parade, fireworks, and just go home. And then in 2008, shortly after I graduated high school, I hired in to Disneyland where I spent 13 magical years. And then obviously pandemic hit and I was furloughed for 14 months. So that was definitely a difficult time. I ended up quitting because I had plans to move to Central Florida with plans to transfer out to Walt Disney World, but the pandemic derailed those plans. So instead of transferring from West Coast to East Coast, I just had to quit so I could move across the country. But like you said, I'm a travel agent. I'm under the Travelmation Agency. We are a top producing agency with Disney. So we book both Disneyland, Walt Disney World. We can do the international parks. We do Disney Cruise Line. We do Adventures by Disney. We can do Alani. So it's an all-encompassing thing. And I do do more than Disney. But obviously, since this is a Disney podcast, we'll focus on Disney and Disneyland. So yeah, that's kind of my story. And I am always happy to talk anybody's ear off about Disneyland and all things Disney. Disney's like its own animal. It's kind of like, yeah. you know, Alice in Wonderland, you know, things are different, but the same. Yep. And so mm-hmm. can you talk about why if you're looking to plan a Disney trip, it might be worthwhile talking to somebody that has specific experience with Disney and especially like the park that you want to go to. So because even right. Disneyland and Disney World are very different. Oh, yes. They are night and day. So having a travel agent that knows their destinations well is a huge plus. Thankfully, growing up in California and working at Disneyland and now living near Disney World, like I have the best of both worlds. My knowledge is vast for both, obviously Disneyland more so than Disney World, but I'm, I'm getting there. I'm getting there. I'm catching up. But even though a lot of people think they're similar, like you said, there are still so many differences between West Coast and East Coast. When I'm talking to people that have either grown up coming to Disney World or have vacationed frequently here in Florida, I always like to talk about Disneyland as it's the original park. If we didn't have Disneyland in Anaheim, there would be no Disney World. There would be no Disneyland Paris or Tokyo. So I always try to throw up that emotional aspect of it. And like, it's Walt's park. He walked through that park. He has not stepped, you know, in any of the other parks around the world. So it's kind of that 
I like to talk at the heartstrings a little bit, but you definitely want somebody that knows their differences, knows the nuances of Disneyland versus the nuances of Walt Disney World and the pros and cons to each, but also what makes each park special and special in their own way. Kind of like the difference between traveling to Europe versus traveling to Asia. You know, there's some things yeah. that are going to be fundamental. You know, you're going to need an airfare, you're going to need a hotel, but there's a lot of mm-hmm. cultural differences, especially around Genie Plus, getting up at 7 a.m. in Walt Disney World versus not being able to book until you get to the parks at Disneyland. Right. You know, at Disney World, it's really important for a lot of people to stay at a Disney resort. At Disneyland, there's just not that same culture because they're so crazy expensive and there's so many (laughs) other ones. You know, they're not even the closest to the parks, really. You can actually get a shorter or about the same walk from some of the hotels across the street. What kind of person really is going to be like the travel agent was the best thing I've done? What kind of (laughs) client is it that you feel is like they get the most value out of having a travel agent? I feel like it's the busy parents or the kind of career oriented person that just doesn't have the time to do the research on their own or the one that wants to go somewhere but doesn't like to spend the hours potentially to figure out dates and pricing and well, how many people are going and are there any specials? Are there any, you know, Florida resident rates or California resident rates? Or somebody that just does not know anything about that destination. I had the privilege of booking a family of four from Illinois, had never been out to Southern California. Obviously, I was born and raised there. So I got to put my expertise in their pockets. And I booked them a stay at Disneyland Hotel. They had early entry because they were hotel guests. And I got to talk up everything that I love about Disneyland. And they loved it. They had so much fun. And because they're from the Midwest, so they frequented Disney World more than they ever have Disneyland, which is actually pretty common. A lot of, you know, Midwesterners and towards the East Coast tend to venture to Florida than they do California. So I was able to give them like all of my tips and tricks and things that I knew as a cast member or things that I just knew as a guest playing in the park. Their daughter got to meet the princesses, got to ride Radiator Springs Racers. Her son loves Nightmare Before Christmas, and they were there right after Haunted Mansion turned over to Haunted Mansion Holiday. So, I mean, anybody theoretically can use a travel agent. It's just kind of based on how much do you want to be involved in the planning aspect of your vacation or your group outing or your school function or whatever versus how much do you not want to be involved We can have kind of both ends of the spectrum, but we do all the heavy lifting for you, so to speak. So I will spend the time, you know, after my day job and doing the research, pulling quotes, sending emails and all that kind of stuff. So it's for everybody, but it's not for everybody. So it's just kind of, like I said earlier, it's kind of how much do you want to be involved as the client booking your trip? And I kind of feel like when I went to Costa Rica, I joined every Mm -hmm. Facebook group. I learned about every activity (laughs) that gives me joy. That's like feeds my soul. Yeah. You know, like I have a friend that's like, how did you know what was available? I'm like, how do you not know? I think that, (laughs) you know, if you're somebody who's like, I want to go, but I don't get joy out of the planning part, or I'm anxious that I'm going to book the wrong hotel. Will it be too far away? Will I not be able Mm -hmm. to like, how do I manage the car seats? 
back in the before days, back way, way when, you know, <laughs> you would hire a travel agent because they had yeah. access to digital assets mm-hmm. and computer programs that you didn't have. Yeah. Now everybody has that. So it's really more about if you're looking to save every penny and get the best possible right. deal, you might end up spending $10 more a night on a room. Right. But for the most part, you're going to get pretty close to the best deal and you're going to have somebody to say, you really don't want to stay at that hotel. You know, my last client mm-hmm. there saw rats, you know? Yeah. <laughs> No, I definitely think that is kind of, you hit the nail on the head. I will preface to say that not every agency and or agent has free services. Mine are, mine will cost you nothing extra, but kind of the caveat to that is if we're going to do all the legwork for you, we do ask that you go ahead and book with us. There are times where, you know, people will do all the legwork for them and then they'll just decide to have all the information and do it on their own. That is kind of frustrating. That's kind of like the client that we don't necessarily want because we're small businesses. Although we're under an agency itself, I'm doing this as a small business owned person. It's disrespectful because, you know, as somebody who's trying to start something and you're actually not only taking their time, but keeping them away from finding new clients. Somebody else. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. So, you know, and that's why there are travel agents that say like there is a booking fee you know, to keep people from doing that. And that doesn't mean that that's a scam. You know, I'm, I'm not obviously throwing shade under anybody that does charge something for their services. That's just not what Travel Nation is about. That's not what I'm about. I'm here to help you as much or as little as you want. So if you book for me and help me support my small business, I will almost do everything except take a bullet for you. <laughs> can you talk about how a travel agent can help you like mid trip if something goes wrong? Yeah. So airlines are a little bit more tricky because a lot of times if you have something going on, say you're at the airport, like there's a flight delay or something, a lot of times your best bet is to talk to the airline directly, talk to the gate agent. Unfortunately, with flights and airlines, there's not a whole lot we can do as travel agents. It's not to say travel agents don't book flights because we do. However, trying to contact us for a flight issue is not necessarily something that may you know, come out on your benefit, just because we're not there. We don't know, you know, the whole picture of what's going on. But for everything else, one of the huge benefits of having a travel agent is you have somebody in your corner for anything that goes wrong. So if you're on vacation, and say there's like an air conditioning leak in your room, and you've tried to talk to the front desk, you've tried to talk to housekeeping, you can reach out to me as your travel agent, and I can call the resort and be like, hey, I'm a travel agent. This is my client. This is not acceptable. You need to do something now. You need to move rooms. You need to, you know, do ABC, XYZ. And if that's not good enough, the beauty about Travelmation is I have a team. So I'm a part of a team. I have a supervisor and I can get my supervisor involved. I can get our owner and founder involved. Like we have amazing relationships with so many different vendors that we can nine times out of 10 ish get something fixed. And not saying, you know, it works out that way every time, but having a travel agent a lot of times can benefit you in ways that you may not be aware of or you may not find out because you're that family that thankfully doesn't have any issues while on vacation. But, you know, there may be that one time where you may have to have somebody fight for you and and fight for your rights as a paying customer and a guest of wherever you choose to go. 
I think another advantage of a travel agent is that you can do payment plans and book packages. Can you talk a little bit about that? Payment plans are great. Unfortunately, not every vendor allows payment plans. However, with Disney, the sooner you book, as kind of with anything in life, the sooner you book, you're typically going to get the better rates. So with Disney, all you have to do if you're booking a package, package includes hotels and tickets. And actually, now that the dining plan is back at Walt Disney World, you can also add on dining plan. So package includes just a deposit of $200. That's it. And then your deadline for your package due date is typically 30 days prior to your check-in date. So you have all of that time between booking and your 30 days prior to check-in to make payments. If you don't have a package, say you do hotel only, you have a deposit deposit is typically one night of room rate. And then you have up until check-in date to pay that off, whether you choose to do payments or pay it all up front upon check-in. So you have a little bit more leeway with packages. So at least with Disney, there's so much flexibility. You can pay as little as much as you want. You can pay just the deposit. You can pay more than the deposit and have less payments throughout the remainder up until you leave. So it just kind of depends. With other vendors, unfortunately, payment plans aren't necessarily an option. But that's one of the, the great things about Disney is you have the option as long as you're not booking within 30 days because <laughs> otherwise you'll have to pay in full. But for the most part, you are able to make payments on packages or hotels only. And the other thing is that you're living and breathing Disney all the time. And so when Disney puts out a new promotion, <laughs> you can be like, hey, I rebooked your hotel and I saved you 300 yep. bucks on your trip, which I think, you know, especially for people who don't want to immerse themselves in the Disney right. world for six months while they're planning their trip. I think that's a huge yeah. value too. Yeah, it's great. Anytime a new deal drops or new food items release for, you know, like the holidays are coming up. So we we got emails for all the food selections, all the food offerings are going to be coming to Walt Disney World and Disneyland. And we also get those same emails for room promotions. There's a lot of Florida resident rates right now for Walt Disney World. There are, I think, at least one or two, maybe even three, like Southern California resident rates, whether that's tickets or hotels or, you know, so there's all kinds of different rates that we get emails on. It's not even something that you would be aware of that we do. It's just we get the email. If we have a client traveling between those dates, we'll look it up, see if we can do it based on the criteria. And then if we can, we'll be like, hey, guess what? I just saved you X amount of money. It'll be like, what? <laughs> and that's, again, a benefit of using a travel agent is, is we get constant emails from Disney especially, like we're, I think it's almost like a daily or every couple of days with emails for various different, whether it's new entertainment offerings, updates on the Disney Cruise Line, Disney Treasure, which is coming out in 2024. So all of these different updates that we have access to that we can look up for our clients, which is fantastic. Is there anything a travel agent can do that like a normal person can't do? It kind of just depends. So being a travel agent under the umbrella of Travelmation, we are kind of one of the top agencies in the country. So we actually have some really great, fantastic relationships with a lot of our vendors. So a lot of times, depending on the agency, they can potentially have deals that are offered to them exclusively that wouldn't be available to other agencies or the general public. That's not always the case and it doesn't always happen, but in some cases, 
there are agency exclusive promotions that we can offer our clients. It's great. You would find us advertising those on social media. It just kind of depends on the agency. So it's, it's not always, you know, an all encompassing agents can save you money. They can, they get better deals than the general public. Like that's not always the case, but in, in some instances we do get special promotions, which is a lot of fun. If somebody's like an individual looking to hire a travel agent, what questions should they ask to see if the travel agent's a good fit for their personality and needs? That's a great question. It's a two-way relationship. So you want to make sure that the client that you have works best for you. And you also want to make sure that the agent that you're choosing works for you. So if you're a client and say you're somebody that likes to talk on the phone, say it's a stay-at-home mom and they have pretty much all the free time hours during the day. And they wanted to talk on the phone and say they wanted to utilize me, which I'm more than happy to do guys. But I do work full time. I have a typical nine to five office job. So you know, making a phone call in the middle of the day is not something that I'm able to do, like it would have to wait until the evening hours when I'm home from work. And that may not be conducive to that specific client. And that's okay. Like if they feel like I'm not a good fit for them, they're under no obligation to choose me as their travel agent. I kind of like to think of it as a job interview. You kind of have to look at it from, are they going to meet your needs? Are you a client that likes to be on the phone all the time? Are you a client that prefers email? Are you a client that likes to double check somebody else's work? So like, are you going to go back and kind of redo all the work that the agent did? So there's kind of different things that kind of you as a client want to ask. Like, it sounds like, what are the expectations around communication? You know, can I call you? Do you mostly do email? What is an average turnaround time for those emails? Mm -hmm. What is their availability like during your trip? If there was an emergency, it sounds like those are kind of big things, right? Right. Yeah, yeah. So communication is definitely a big one. I know in today's day and age, a lot of things are done over text and email, which there's nothing wrong with that. I am one to especially because I do work in the evenings, I do prefer email, you know, you, you want to be able to have the time with your family in the evenings. But if you're one that likes to talk on the phone, like that's something that you would need to talk with your agent with, or say like somebody in your party has severe food allergies, does your agent have experience with dealing with food allergies. If anybody knows Disney, they know that Disney's great with working with food allergies. But if you're not going with Disney, like how well does that other location deal with food allergies? Kind of also goes back to like, what is it that you as a client are looking for? For me specifically, like within Travelmation, I'm certified in groups and luxury travel. I could book a school group at Disney World or Disneyland through Imagination Campus. So you could do a school group that gets to march down Main Street with their band or their color guard. If they're into theater, they have theater workshops and stuff like that. So it's just, it's really cool because that's something that I like to also promote for myself. I can do groups. I can do school groups. If you want to head to Disney World and, you know, dance in Disney Springs with your dance team, I can help book that for you. So it's just kind of questions that you as the client and or agent want to ask. You know, and then I know there's a lot of families with special needs kids out there. So it's also, you kind of want to ask those hard questions too. Like if you are a family with a special needs child, like how do you deal with that? Are you certified? For me, I'm, I'm not certified yet. I'm, I'm looking at doing that down the road, but 
I do know a lot of families with special needs kids are also turned off by travel because they don't know where to start looking. They don't know who to start talking to and stuff like that. So like I said earlier, just ask your questions. Don't be afraid to ask, you know, what you may feel is a stupid question. Is any cast member or I'm sure Universal team member knows like there's no stupid questions. We hear it all. So don't be afraid to ask whatever is on your mind. As a former cast member and travel agent, can you give me like your three best tips for Disneyland? Okay. Don't compare it to any other park you may have been to. Don't compare it to any other Disney park. Obviously, it's not Universal. So don't compare it to Universal. That would be the first and foremost. Number two, enjoy it. Disneyland, like I said, it holds a special place in my heart, but it truly is a gem. It's full of so much history and not just obviously Disney history, but theme park history, amusement park history. Like there are so many things that guests around the world can enjoy today thanks to the innovations that Disney came up with to build Disneyland. And then number three, Park Hop. Park hop, park hop, park hop. The beauty about Disneyland is that they are right next door to each other. So for those that may not know, California Adventure actually used to be the main parking lot for Disneyland back in the day. So they are super close. There is a space in between that's called the Esplanade. So you literally just walk out the gates of Disneyland, go across the Esplanade, and boom, you're in California Adventure enjoying the rest of your day. It's one of those things that people that have been to Walt Disney World are so blown away with when they go to California and see how easy it is to park hop. All of the Disney hotels are within walking distance. The parks are within walking distance. Downtown Disney is within walking distance. Like you don't have to leave property to get somewhere else unless you are wanting to step outside of the Disney bubble. So that's just park hop, park hop, park hop. If you're there for one day, you want to try to see it all, definitely park hop. There's a lot to Disneyland. (laughs) At the Disneyland Resort, what is your favorite, most underrated ride? I mean, I think everybody knows the big ones. What's what's a ride that you think is unappreciated for its grandeur? Okay, I I have two. They're both attractions that I worked. So one is going to be Storybook Canal Boats. It's technically an opening day attraction. However, it used to be called Canal Boats of the World, and it lasted about a year, a little less than a year, and then it turned into Storybook Land Canal Boats. So it is so cool. And it just, again, like it just takes you back to the beauty and imagination of Walt Disney and his team, because you're on a little boat, and they're all named after Disney characters, which is a lot of fun. And you're taken through miniature sets of different places from different Disney stories. So you first go through, and you'll see it if you're in Fantasyland, the giant monstro, the whale from Pinocchio with his mouth wide open and his teeth all shown. And it's a lot of fun because little kids do get scared. (laughs) Mm. I've had a few criers on my boats in the past. But his tail was blown off. Like he sneezed so hard that he blew off his tail. So you go through Monstro, through his blown off tail, and then you're magically immersed in this magical miniature world. There's Mr. Toad's house. There's the three little pigs. There's Agrabah. And they're all in miniature 
form. When I'd be doing my show checks in the morning, I just, I was still like, have to pinch myself. These are so cool. And like, I wish I could see it being built and being put together. And like, it had to have been so much fun for the Imagineers to like, come up with these and, you know, build them. And now they've kind of started decorating ish for the holidays. So like, the three little pigs houses, they'll all have like little pots of poinsettias. <laughs> and there'll be like a wreath on the dwarf's house and a little bit of garland on a signpost. And so it's just, I could talk about it all day, Robin. <laughs> but it's just storybook land is so magical. And at night, like, uh, when you're going under the fairy lit light archway, it's just like, the tune of a whole new world plays and you just kind of sit there and look and you've got Casey Jr. Circus train to your left and you're entering the cave of wonders and you're just, you're like a little kid again. And it's just, it's so magical. It's kind of a different experience at night too, because if you can time it right, you can actually be on there for fireworks. Um, and they stop the boat. It's one of the few places you can yeah. sit down and watch fireworks. Yeah. You, they have to stop the boat because of the potential for falling embers. So they stop the boats and I've been on those boats before in the past and getting to captain those. And it's really cool. Like you're just sitting there <laughs> on a boat working, but you get to watch the firework. It's so cool and so much fun. And it, it's a ride for the whole family. Like the beauty about Fantasyland is there's only one ride that has a high requirement and that's Matterhorn. But everything else is for every age from, you know, newborns to 90 year old grandparents and that's what Walt wanted was something for the entire family my other favorite is Casey Jr. Circus Train there's only one other that's similar and that's in Paris it's kind of a step below like Barnstormer or Gadget's Go Coaster it's like a family coaster but it's not quite like the the heights with the drops and all that kind of stuff but again like this is another opening day attraction and it's from the story of Dumbo. So Casey Jr., he was a circus train that took Dumbo and all of, you know, his mom and all the other circus animals to the different various circus stops. So it's based off the story of the little engine it could. So it weaves in and out of Storybook Land. So it's really cool. If you ride Storybook Land, you get the view from below. And if you ride Casey Jr., you kind of get the view from above. And if you ride it during sunset, like I've got some fabulous pictures of sunset with like the sun peeking out and the rays shooting and like behind Arendelle. And it's, it's really cool. So you kind of go up this tiny little hill and he's like, I think I can, I think I can, I think I can. And then he crests the hill and then you're off on your adventure around storybook land. So those are two of my, what I would consider the most underrated rides in Disneyland. And that was long-winded. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, that's okay. That was one of my son's favorites for a really long time. So much so that like it's hard for me to do it now because I, you know, he would want to ride it over and over and over again. <laughs> where now I'm like, I see those animal cages and I'm like, I don't want to be in the cage. We don't ride it very much anymore. So now it's getting fun again yeah. because we rode it with a yeah. friend that we went with. But when you go to Disneyland, what do you pack in your day pack or purse or do you not bring a purse? I do. So it kind of varies depending on the season. I should preface this to say I am not a park open, park closed kind of person. I've done that a handful of times. And although I'm, I don't consider myself old by any means, I just cannot physically do a park open to park close. Maybe it's just because I also worked there for so long that my body's just like, get off your feet, get off your feet. So if it's during the summer, definitely a bottle of water, preferably if you have an insulated one, I use a 32 ounce insulated water bottle. If you have the ability to fill it with ice, fill it with ice and water before you hit the parks, because we all know water is expensive in Disney. But 
travel tip that some people may not know is you can actually get a free glass of water from any quick service restaurant except for the ice cream shops. It's not going to be very big. I think it's like less than eight ounces, but it's free. It will keep you hydrated. You can throw it in your water bottle. And obviously there's water fountains there too that you could refill up on. They are kind of starting to add those water bottle size water fountains in the park, which is fantastic. So water bottles, if it's during the summer, I typically start off the day with sunscreen already on. And then obviously you want to make sure you don't get burned. So you want to keep that in your pack. I have just like a little travel size of Neutrogena. It's like SPF 70 that I keep in my bag. So I'm not lugging around like a big old bottle of sunscreen. And you want to make sure you're wearing a good pair of shoes. If you plan to go on any water rides, maybe an extra pair of shorts because chafing and jeans shorts is not fun, especially if you're doing it like early in the day. So those are definitely some of my must-haves. Another one that I think this day and age you really, really need is a battery backup for your phone and a charging cable. You can find those on Amazon. I started off when fuel rods kind of became popular. I have a bunch of those, but I don't use them. They're like my backup to the backup. But I have a brick charger. It's solar. has the ability to recharge by solar as well. If it would ever run out, I'm not next to a plug. So those are kind of my main summer essentials winter essentials it's a little bit less and i don't usually bring a backpack to disneyland in the winter i usually just if i'm gonna be there in the evening i'll i'll bring a sweatshirt but i'll just kind of tie it around my waist and then maybe I feel like california is all about the layers yes yes it's definitely <laughs> it can be hit or miss there's been many christmases where it's been 90 degrees and Many Christmases where it's been in the 40s. So you kind of have to pack for everything. But yeah, winters in California can can get cold. If you're going to pack layers and you want to bring a giant backpack, get a locker. You can get a day locker. They're in the middle of Main Street on the right-hand side. That way you're not lugging it around all day, getting it on rides, trying to get it out of rides, and all that kind of stuff. But if you're just going for a few hours, just a jacket tied around your waist and a fanny pack. That's all you need pretty much. What is your favorite quick serve meal? Okay. Hands down Coca-Cola corner at the end of main street on the left-hand side, a cream cheese filled pretzel with nacho cheese and a cherry Sprite. That is (laughs) my go-to Every time. Because the thing is, people are like, what do you mean nacho cheese? What do you mean real cheese? Because here's the thing. At the kiosks in the park and here in Florida, they have the prepackaged processed cheese, which is gross. At Coca-Cola Corner, they have legitimate nacho cheese. So it's, it's the real stuff that you pour over nachos. And I just dip my cream cheese filled pretzel in there it's just I don't I don't know what it is and people were like ew cheese why not mustard I'm like I grew up on this it's (laughs) (laughs) it's what I do it's what I like what are you gonna say yeah so that's my go-to snacks but I will say churro is a close second the churros at Disneyland are very good they definitely beat out Walt Disney World churros (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, if you see them coming out hot, that's always the best. There are, there are, oh, well, yes. if you've had oh, a bad churro, you probably had a cold churro. Let me tell you, when I would be working the dock at Casey Jr., there's a churro stand right there and they'd be making fresh churros and I would be looking at them falling out of the oven 
and that <laughs> glorious cinnamon sugar mix. I just be like, why do I have to be working right now? <laughs> <laughs> Well, I want to thank you for coming on the show and sharing your tips with us. If people want to reach you, what's the best way to do that? Yeah. So the best way to do that is through email or message me on my Instagram handle. So my email is Christina McBride at travelmation.net. So it's C-H-R-I-S-T-I-N-A-M-C-B-R-I-D-E at Travelmation. It's a combination of travel and animation because we're, we're a big Disney company. So <laughs> travel and then M-A-T-I-O-N.net. Or my Instagram handle is Adventures of Chris. So it's A-D-V-N-T-R-S underscore word of underscore Chris, C-H-R-I-S. So those are the two best locations. They can email me, they can direct message me, say they're interested in a trip and we can go from there. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Park Magic Podcast. For more tips and planning tools designed to help simplify your Disneyland adventure, visit parkmagic.com. If you enjoyed today's episode and want to hear more tips, be sure to subscribe to the Park Magic Podcast. And don't forget to leave us a review. Your feedback helps us spread the magic even further. Leaving a review could also help you. Each month, we will be selecting one reviewer to win a one-hour planning session with Robin. Winners will be announced at the end of the first episode of every month. Thanks for tuning in, and remember that we are here to help you have a less stressful and more magical trip to Disneyland.